How many years have you guys heard me say I want to do a podcast? I even went so far as to flying out to Los Angeles a couple of years ago and met with all these fancy podcast people trying to do it. And about a week ago, my friend Molly tells me about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's how it works. First of all, it's free. There's a tool, and I am the least techie person in the world, that will allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone, which is what I'm doing right now, or on your computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so that you can have it on Spotify, Apple, all kinds of different platforms. You can start making money with no listenership. Hello. And they have everything you need to make a podcast. They even put background music in for me. You guys, I cannot even tell you how incredible this is. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That was anchor.fm to get started. You guys, if I can do this, anybody can do this. I have to give a quick disclaimer before I jump in. I have kids, three kids, and... They are the loves of my life, including my husband. He's not a kid, but he's another love of my life. And my kids live in my house. And it is in the middle of quarantine because we are in the middle of a pandemic. And they are here in this house. And they occasionally run into the room. And I've tried variations of things to bribe them, get them to be quiet. Can they sit in another space? And I'll say, I just need, you know, 15 minutes to record something. The truth is it's impossible. And I have now decided to embrace it because in the method of flow, that is the big idea. So you might hear kids laughing, might hear them crying, might hear them screaming. You'll definitely hear birds chirping. But no matter what, everything you hear today is going to be coming straight from my heart to your heart. I can promise you that. So I thought I'd start this one off by saying, have you ever seen those storm movies, the ones with tornadoes or actually, I think my husband might've been in one of these movies, um, White Squall, where really treacherous things are happening and the hero is trying to say something. They're trying to tell the people Something because they figured out the way out or how to get in the storm shelter or how to get off the boat, but nobody can hear because it's super loud and there's like chaos happening all around them. This to me is a perfect metaphor for our minds when we are in massive amounts of worry. The hero of the story is actually your consciousness. It's your deep knowing, but it can get drowned out by the noise that is worry. And here's a really interesting thing. Worry is never, ever useful. Never. Worry, I'll say it again, worry is never, ever useful. Fear is useful because it's telling you that you need to be active in one moment. A lion jumps out, you need to do something about that. But after that, continuing to stay in worry, it's like mold. It just grows and grows. And 
the worst thing is when left unattended, it can have some serious health effects and just all kinds of yucky things. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how you can live in flow. And for those of you who don't know what flow is, flow stands for finding love over worry. Finding love over worry. I figured this out a little while ago. I was going to say I sort of cracked the code on how to live in flow more of the time, but it is a crooked ass code. (laughs) So that is why we are here. And that is what we're going to dive into. If you've been around me for a while, you know that you could possibly say that I'm obsessed. I was going to say mildly, but that would be an understatement. I'm extremely obsessed with metaphors, especially nature ones. So you're definitely going to hear that on here. And I think I'm funny, but I won't have my feelings hurt if you don't think I'm funny, but there's one thing I can promise you is in this flow land, we will never claim to be levitating in the woods because of our spiritual enlightenment, because you guys, that stuff is messy. I like to call it spiritual abs. If you want to change your life through tried and true methodology that I'm here to share with you, you're going to have to work for it and we're going to have to be super conscious observers. My story about spiritual abs is like this. Every single person on the planet can agree. If you want abs, as in the ones on your stomach that I've never had, but if you want them, we can all agree that you have to do something about it. You're going to have to do sit-ups or planks or, um, you know, tighten up your routine and your, uh, your food and all those kinds of things. It works the same in the spiritual world. You have to do certain things in order to get the payoff. You can't just snap your fingers and go, boom, I wish I had, uh, this sense of flow and this sense of evolution and this sense of, of, of deep understanding. It does take work and it does take practice and it does take recognition and and listening and reading and doing all these things. But I feel like where I am most useful is taking life stories, mine and those of other people, listening to things, breaking it down and letting you figure out a way to tap into flow in your own world, in your own life. So that's what we're going to try and attempt to do here. But step one is we're going to talk about, and I didn't want to leave y'all hanging on this first episode. I'm doing a tiny little dance on the inside of my body right now that we, we are, ha- you are listening to a podcast on flow. Oh my gosh, I can't even stand it. This is so exciting. Okay. But let's talk about the first doable thing because I wouldn't want you to listen to this today and not have that first doable thing because there are doable things. Here's what I love about this. This is a process of spiritual practicality. I am not going to talk about just austere woo-woo-ness that's out in the, in the universe, although it, it's fabulous, but that's not what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk more about practical things. We're going to talk about stories that when we saw a shift and how and why it worked that way towards flow, because the more we see, the more we observe and understand about how it works, the more we get to start changing the plastic of our own brains so that this can become a default mechanism for you and me and everybody. That's the big idea. 
Okay, so for our first day of practical ideas, we're going to talk about the three M's. Yes, you have my permission to tune out right now because if you have listened to me in Flowland for quite some time, you've probably heard me say this a gazillion times. Why do I say it a gazillion times? Because it is the thing that changes all the things. And without it, yeah, you can do some stuff, but without it, it's harder, a lot harder. Okay, the three M's. I like to call these the foyer. To flow. You know what a foyer is? I'm probably saying it wrong. A foyer? I think I called it a foyer, but I think it's really called a foyer, which is basically the thing when you walk into a super fancy house and there's like a like a place before you're inside the actual house. The foyer. So that's what this is. Okay. It's called the three M's. They stand for munch, move, meditate. I don't care if you switch those up. Meditate, munch, move move, meditate, munch. You do whatever you want. You just take the three M's, you put them in a pot and you take them in every single day. Me personally, I like to start my days with that because I just notice a very big difference when I start the day with that. But like I said, we're not here to judge. We're here to offer incredible, powerful, life-changing tools. Okay. Munch, move, meditate. What is munch? I know what some of y'all are thinking and I'm cool with that too. But let's go to food. Munch is where you put something nourishing in your body. Again, ideally, I like doing that in the morning. I think it's, you know, you've been fasting for 10 hours if you've been sleeping before. Something nourishing in your body, something that has uh, good nutrients in it, not a donut, have the donut later, but start with something great. I love starting with a green juice or a bowl of berries or, um, you know, almond butter, things like that. And again, anybody who knows me will know girls and boys, do I love my cookies, pies, cakes, you name it. I, uh, will eat them (laughs) and enjoy them and make them and share those recipes with you. But in order to start the day off, when we want to tap into flow, more often, more of the time, I do believe that it is important to put something nourishing first into your body. Then move. For some of you, you know this about me. I have lived with, and I believe very much um, managed and am hoping to overcome um, a disease called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome that I live with. But what it essentially does is it's a hypermobility disorder. It causes chronic pain and joint dislocations. I'm not going to get into that because that's not what this is about. But what I want you to know is that I come from a place of understanding what it feels like to not feel like you can move your body. So if you are a person who's in a position where you don't feel you can move or move significantly, we're going to take it down to the bare minimum And we're going to do anything you can. If that means moving your fingers and your hands, moving your wrists up and down, that's great. If you are a marathon runner and you get up every morning and run 10 miles and that's your definition of move, that's great too. Mine's somewhere in the middle of those two places. I'm a hiker. I love to hike. Um, I attempt to get about an hour of hiking and walking in a day. That's where I live in that place, but move your body. The final one is meditate. I know, don't get your panties in a bunch because that word triggers the heck out of people. And I get it. Guys, 
I was trained in, trained in transcendental meditation and I argued with my teacher pretty much every time we did some kind of lesson. Why? Because I wasn't getting it. I wasn't getting it. But what I think was happening at that time, and this is, gosh, 12 years ago, I was super resistant, number one. I felt that I couldn't commit to two 20-minute segments a day. But what I have learned over time is we need to stop putting so many mandates on meditation and what that looks like. If you start with 30 seconds of quiet time, one minute of quiet time. Also, while you're moving, so somebody like me, I will turn off podcasts. I know it's working against me here, but it's okay. I will get quiet and become the observer. That's mindfulness meditation while I'm moving my body. So I'm kind of double dipping there. See, meditation can come in all forms. If you can find space and time to sit down and quiet your mind for a few minutes in the morning, I will pretty much guarantee you that alone is going to show a massive, massive impact and shift in your life. It is remarkable. We will deep dive into that more as time goes on, but just take my word on that one. Okay. Munch, move, meditate, and we'll start there. (laughs) We got to start somewhere, right folks? So again, our biggest idea here is how can we live a life of more flow One thing I recognized with that word was how people were getting it. You know, if I was in sessions with people, if you don't know, I'm a life coach, but if I'm in sessions with people, I'd hear them telling me stories and they would say things like, oh God, I was in flow. I was in flow. And oftentimes whatever was happening on the bookends of that moment were were pretty um, consistent. So I started to pay attention to that and I truly started to map it out. And as I mapped it out, I recognized some hallmarks. The biggest one was being in flow started with finding love over worry. I came up with that anagram because it was the best way to understand. Finding love over worry. Oftentimes, people might feel in flow because they're skiing down a mountain. But what that's also doing is activating part of our brain that cannot truly, literally cannot think about anything else. And so it's the same concept. You're actually uh, bypassing worry and putting yourself in a different position. But what if you can't go skiing down a mountain or surfing on on a wave? I was looking for a way and a map and a code to be in flow more of the time, even when we couldn't experience these grand moments. And what better moment in life to bring flow to the people than what we're all collectively experiencing now. We're being asked and being told to stay home, stay in, to not be able to go on those big trips or ski down those mountains. So here's where we're going to come back to the power that you have inside of you that you may have forgotten. And I'm here to remind you that it lives in you, with you all the time. Isn't that amazing? It's with you right now. So we together are going to lock arms and travel into flow land. And I'm going to be here to gently guide you in the directions that I believe to be the ways forward. And most likely I'll trip and then you'll be the one to hold me up. (laughs) Funny story. My husband and I, every single time we've gone 
like, let's call it a hike or we're, it's like an icy thing. Or we went, we went ice skating really early on in our relationship. And he would say, here, let me hold you up so you don't fall. And almost every time he would fall and I would hold him up. So that's the point. We are here to do this together and nobody will be left behind. Thank you for joining me on this maiden voyage today. I cannot wait to deep dive further with you. Welcome, welcome to flow, my friends. I see you. You are here. And boy, oh boy, do you matter.